Welcome to the Normandy Records Podcast, a podcast hosted by me, Eric Sanchez, the founder of Normandy Records. This podcast highlights individuals and their journey, their inspiration, and some of the lessons they've learned along the way. So sit back and enjoy the conversation, and thank you for listening. Thank you all for listening. I really hope you guys are all doing fantastic and amazing out there wherever you are. Uh, If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Please make sure to subscribe, whatever platform you're listening on. I appreciate you. I love you, and I thank you. Um, Today's episode is very cool. Uh, We have Leah Landaverde of the Landaverde Collective, which is a uh, business, small business uh, consulting agency um, focused on the bi, uh, BIPOC LGBTQ community. Uh, Leah's super awesome. I, I, I actually talked to Leah very briefly prior to the podcast, but I knew that I liked the energy that she provided in the conversation. So I was like, yeah, please, please come on to the podcast. I would love to just learn more about you. So um, if you listen to the conversation, I, I'm learning a lot about her and where she comes from and the things that inspire her and the things that that move her to do what she does, which is very important work. So I just want to thank Leah for coming on to the podcast, taking the time to have this conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, Quick thing, thank you to everyone who has streamed La Noche by G Flux, Pawa, and Hey Cosmo. We released that last Friday. Uh, it's a super, I, I love the record. I'm super honored to be putting out this record on Normandy Records. And uh, this Friday, we're releasing Chica Cosmica by Volcanicos de la Isla. Uh, I'll give a little bit of a sample in a few seconds, uh, but that's going to be out on all streaming platforms starting this Friday. Please go support it. Please go stream it. Add it to your playlist. It's G Flux and Bugat from Canada. It's a super solid record. You know, <laughs> just kind of kind of a, like a random thing here. Uh, lately, I've been watching this YouTube series called Hi-Fi America. It's um, I think it's from a company called Just Audio and during the pandemic last year when we were all stuck at home they traveled the united states to visit small record stores and it's just so fascinating to see how much record stores are innovating the the uh the the customer experience like there's this one shop in nashville that's a half tap house half record store and that's just fantastic. Like, I wish they had that here in L.A. That sounds like a very, very awesome way to spend a couple of hours and some money. Like, obviously, that's the goal, right? And there's this other shop that has, like, crazy collectibles. Like, you can find records, but you can also find Pokemon cards. It's, I don't know. It's just, I find that stuff super fascinating. So, I definitely don't mind plugging that show. It's called Hi-Fi America. It's on YouTube. It's very cool. All right. Let's get into this conversation with Leah Landaverde uh, from Landaverde Collective. Again, I'm super, super appreciative of Leah for coming on to the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm trying a new uh, format to the podcast. 
let me know what you guys think. I'm adding a couple elements. Um, we don't do ads here. Like I don't, um, I don't really care about making money from this podcast. I really just want to have an extension of the company and this is the cool people that, that I appreciate on this podcast. So there are no ads, but I'm trying something new here, you know? So let me know what you guys think in the Apple podcast reviews. Let me know what you guys think. Like I, you can use that as a comment section. I don't mind. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you. Please subscribe. Take care. I'll see you guys next week. Welcome to the Normandy Records podcast. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. It's around, you know, my time is four o'clock, so it's great. It's funny. <laughs> uh, you are in Salt Lake City right now, correct? Yes, I'm in Salt Lake. Did you grow up in Salt Lake City? Um, no. So I grew up in St. George, Utah. Mm. So I'll just give you like a quick little intro about me. So my name is Leonanda Redbe. Um, I help the BIPOC and LGBTQ community create businesses so that they can create genera- generational wealth. Um, and I'm first-gen Salvadorena. Um, my parents are immigrants here, and they own a landscaping business. And so I learned a lot about entrepreneurship from them, and I grew up in St. George, Utah, of all places. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's That's really, you know, that was actually one of my questions because a lot of what you do in your consultation and uh, how you try to help entrepreneurs. Um, like, I just, I feel like in order to have that kind of ambition, you have to love or have some influence or some sort of example of entrepreneurship. And you just said that your family owns a business. Like, has that been this, the situation your whole life? Yeah, so I clearly remember being five years old and like being in the truck with my dad, watching my dad go lawn, watching my dad talk to clients, um, go to appointments, and with his broken English, really just provide for the family. Um, Since I am his oldest daughter, I do have an older brother as well, so that me and my older brother would always be with my father, whether he was working, so my older brother would be working at like eight years old outside. (laughs) 
child labor, but you know, that's how we do. <laughs> um, but you know, I was also there in the picture and that really inspired me to just, you know, seguir adelante, you know, yeah. and not let, um, I don't know. And it just like watching my parents do their own thing made me believe that I could do whatever I wanted in this world because they came here with nothing and they were able to do something. That no, it makes, it makes total sense. You know, I, I really, really want to dive into this conversation. But first, I'm actually just genuinely curious. What's it like growing up in Utah? Ooh, uh, Utah, well, especially where I grew up, um, there's not a lot of Latinos. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was one of like five you know, Latinos in my school growing up, um, it was very difficult because I didn't realize I was different until, you know, when like you're 11 or like 12 and you start kind of getting this basic understanding of like people and culture and everything. Cause I would grow up myself. Right. And then once I hit intermediate school, I kind of felt like, Whoa, I'm actually different. I don't look like everybody else. I don't act like everybody else. I don't speak like everybody else, you know? Um, and, you know, I was discriminated a lot. It was really hard for me. There was times that I refused to go to school. I would tell my parents how much I hated going to school because of how of how big of a minority I was in my school. And everyone was, like, surprised that I was smart. And I hated that mm. because I was like, I'm just like anybody else. Why do you guys think just because I'm brown doesn't mean I can't be smart because I was always in the like the higher classes yeah, for yeah. students um, like the college courses like AP um, you know classes or honors classes and so it was very difficult but the only way I could feel like my Latinidad was when I played soccer mm. so obviously I feel like our culture loves soccer we love to play it we love to do it you know and I played club um, soccer and high school soccer and that was the way that I was able to connect with you know my culture because I would you know play with you know Latinos I would play club and there were so many Latinas Latinos playing club and that's where I could actually find my community and if it wasn't for soccer honestly I think I would have grown up very 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 whitewashed that's fantastic I always champion the uh the value of organized sports like that it could teach you so many things and it could bring you so much like I've met some of my best friends at the age of like five or six that I still talk to to this day through organized sports. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, so, so you kind of, I, so I was, I was doing my homework, I was doing my research and I realized that there, you, you do a lot of things. Um, but you're an entrepreneur at heart. You're totally an entrepreneur but you've decided to take on the role of helping entrepreneurs as a business consultant, uh, primarily focused on the BIPOC and LGBTQ community. Um, th- tell me about that, because that's so imp- Like, first of all, business consulting is so important, and now doing it for communities that are often misunderstood is even 10 times as important. Tell me about that. Tell me about how that got started. Yeah, so um, it was like December 31st of last year. Um, I was, you know, when you do your like your annual like goals, you know, when the new year starts, you kind of do your New Year's resolutions, right? Um, I was writing down kind of like my manifestations, my affirmations, and I was feeling very like, okay, how can I give back to my community? Because I am also Latina, 
you know, I am queer. Um, and I grew up, the reason why I focus on the BIPOC is because I grew up around every person of color. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, like I would fi- become friends with a person of color. Yeah. Like, so my group of friends where there was like six of us, we were, you know, mixed. So there was like someone who's half black, half white, someone who was, you know, Native American, someone who was just the color of skin was different than, you know, the white community that I was around. Mm-hmm. So I was like thinking, okay, I live in Utah. We are so underserved, the people of color, because we are the true minority here. You know, we, like, even if you look at statistics, the Latino community is literally the bottom tier. Mm-hmm. And black, the black community is right above it. And then white is like, totally, you know, way above us. Um, so, um, I was writing down my affirmations and thinking about like my, my parents, right. My parents have always told me, Leah, don't forget where you come from. Leah, you know, remember about like the way we grew up. Remember that we come from, you know, a third world country, you know, if there's any way that you can give back, do it, whether it's through charity work, community service, um, or just being kind to someone, right? Because my dad was the most giving, is the most giving individual that I've met. He has helped so many families in my community in St. George that I like. It's like I can't even count how many times he's done it, and I've seen him do it. So, um, to me, I was like, okay, when can I finally give back, right? So I was in the corporate world. I worked for Goldman Sachs for four years, or almost four years, and I was doing these little projects and. And this time I was creating a program for the company to help interns um, learn about being in the corporate environment. And I was like, okay, but like, this isn't fulfilling for me, right? So this is the way that I was giving back to the community, but that to me wasn't fulfilling because it wasn't necessarily my community, right? Um, I feel like everyone has their specific niche community that they grew up, like grow up around, whether it's in California, whether it's in Utah, whether it's in Nevada, Arizona, Washington, wherever, right? You grew up with a certain uh, like community, and the thing is, when we try to drive change, when we think about it, we can we we have we have to start somewhere, right? We can't say we're going to drive change throughout the whole United States. We're going to make this big thing, right? No, it it starts small. It starts where you started, right? So I thought on that night, I was like, okay, well, I want to start a business because. I love helping individuals and through like the last maybe two, three years, I helped a lot of my friends um, run their businesses. So like I have a best, my best friend, her name's Mitzi. She does eyebrows and um, facials and all the skincare. I would sit in her chair and she'd be asking me advice about her business, what to do next, you know, how to scale, how to, you know, what she should do for X, Y, and Z. And I would be sitting there as she's doing my eyebrows, you know, um, giving her advice. And I was like, you know, I love this. Um, and so while I was writing down, you know, what I love, um, about what I do, none, none of it had anything to do with my corporate job. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I love helping individuals who want to learn more about business. I love finance. I love this. I love all these little things. Um, and then I was like, okay, overall, this all sounds like, you know, a little bit of consulting and I, you know, the thing is we're so under like I look at Utah and when I was looking at what I love and I was looking at the community that I live in I was like there's a lot of us starting businesses because of the pandemic because we lost a lot of our jobs we were probably one of the first to go because a lot of our community is in the service industry right Mm -hmm. whether they're you know working in the hotels whether they're working cleaning you know 
cleaning actual houses. And with the pandemic, a lot of their jobs stopped, right? So I saw many people create cake businesses, candy businesses, you know, de like decor businesses, um, actual accessory businesses, because everyone has talent. And I was like, I hope they're succeeding. In my head, I was like, I hope they're succeeding and I hope they're getting the guidance that they need to start their business and keep it going and actually create a profitable business, right? So I would see this happening during the pandemic. And so when I, you know, wrote everything down, I was like, I think I want to create a business that helps all these other businesses grow and understand what they're doing and actually become a legit business because our community doesn't have those type of resources. You know, a, a lot of us don't go to college due to our economic struggle, mm -hmm. right? And so we kind of do what we can with what we can understand. And that's what I love about our community is that we don't let anyone tell us no. We kind of just figure it out with, you know, the scraps and everything. And we just understand, okay, this is the basics. This is what I know. This is what I want to do, right? And so that's kind of how Land Over the Collective came to be is because, you know, I saw so many people growing and, you know, starting their businesses, but I would, I could tell that they lacked the business foundations, whether it was contracts, whether it was actually their, you know, like if they're a sole proprietor or an LLC, whether they actually know their name of their business because they keep changing it, you know, just those basic little things, you know, can totally change your business because, you know, it kind of shows professionalism and structure and all these things. And I knew for a hundred, like a hundred percent didn't know what that was. Right. And so that's kind of why I started London with the collective. And, you know, it's been a journey because it's, actually like I help people I help people for a living I help people understand the things that they never understand and like under like learned in college and I have a lot of clients who've actually gone to college and they've told me I never learned how to run a business I learned my craft I learned how to design but no one taught me how to create a business <laughs> looking for or at all actually for the intangible things um like are there certain intangible things that you look for in people or that you notice in people that make you think oh this is very special here um i've noticed that lately i was actually thinking about that the other day that a lot of my clients we all hold something very in common um which is we've gone through a sort of struggle in one way shape or form 
And that's something that, you know, has come naturally because I'm very open about like the way I grew up, the way my parents raised me, the way, you know, my, my morals, my values. And I, and I always talk about that because I want people to know my true purpose. Right. Yeah. And when I, because, because I talk about that, I feel like I attract my dream client. Right. And a lot of my clients, something that I can't necessarily pick out is that they've also gone through struggle. They also have had a scarcity mindset or have, you know, asked for help and been discriminated in one way, shape or form, um, or have been told, Hey, you're a woman and you can't do this or that, you know? So it's kind of interesting. And I was thinking about that, you know, I, if I could pick my client, like I, I obviously they would be BIPOC or queer, but the thing is I can't pick if they've struggled or not, you know? Right, right. It's just so fascinating um, that I'm I'm learning all this about you and, and how you approach your business. Um, like, do you, was there a moment when you realized, like, oh, my parents uh, are entrepreneurial, and a lot of the things that they do or have done are very entrepreneurial, and I and I like that. Like, was there ever a moment where you you realized that? Um, yeah, that was actually like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I realized, like. I was a sec. I'm second generation entrepreneur. Like I, I think I took that for granted growing up, right? Like, yeah. I, I didn't realize that my parents made their own schedule, which wasn't great. I mean, my dad starts work at five a.m. and comes home at seven p.m. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we were we're all self-made, and I have an older brother who's also an entrepreneur, and I didn't realize what it takes to be an entrepreneur until I became one. Because I, my whole life, I kind of saw myself obviously I grew up with entrepreneurs and I saw them run their business and how stressful it was and how they didn't have any support and help. And I was their help. That's the thing. Mm. Like I started working with my parents when I was 10, 12 years old wow. answering phones. And I used to be like Maya landscaping, how may I help you? <laughs> and people were like, can I talk to your dad? And I'd be like, no, you can leave a message. <laughs> like I'm trying to be professional at yeah. 10 years old. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, it didn't hit me until recently that I was blessed with, entrepreneurs as as family members and that I grew up with their knowledge and their education and their experience like around me my whole entire life because like I said I had blinders on I I thought that I was supposed to go up the corporate ladder and eventually just you know become an executive and tell everybody that I did it you know no one helped me but while I was in the corporate world it didn't it didn't fascinate me as much, you know, because I could see my parents struggling still with their business because, you know, you know, they're landscaping. They're also immigrants. It's a little bit harder and they don't have the education I have. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why am I over here making white people richer mm-hmm. while my parents, you know, are trying to scale their business and grow it and, and need help? And why am I here, you know, working 18 hours a day for a company that, you know, doesn't even pay me well and my parents I could be supporting my parents at my own time you know and so that's when I realized that like entrepreneurship was always around me and that I'm not the first to go through this like two weeks ago I was like wow I'm not like my parents did it all and I watched that in front of me and I took that for granted I think a little bit was there ever a moment when they like your parents were like hey no listen you know we want you to do your own thing don't worry about the family business you know I find that there's there's two groups. There's a kind that go all in and essentially start running the business with their family or for their family. And then there's the kind that's like, listen, you don't want any part of this. Just go do your own thing. And, uh, you know, I love you regardless. Yeah, so my parents are a little bit of both. Um, with the boys in my family, because I have four brothers, 
my parents were very like, you guys need to help me run the business. You need to help me like at the jobs. You need to help me do deliveries. You need to help me with this and that. And with me, when I started my corporate job, he was like, I will pay your base salary that your corporation is paying you if you just stay and work with me. And that was my, and that's where I said, no, dad, well, I have to, I have to follow my own career and follow my own dreams and see if that's what I like. And, you know, I can't, I, I need to experience life without you, if that makes sense. Because obviously in the Latino household, the girl doesn't leave the house until they're married. And I was like 19 years old, moving out of the house to start a corporate job. And they were not best, like the happiest, but they supported me. And then they respected that. They've always respected my passions, regardless if it, you know, makes them sad. <laughs> I'm no longer with them. But um, what I realized that they always wanted me, though, to become an entrepreneur. Um, when I started my business and I told my mom that I wanted to start a business in January, she was like, oh, that sounds perfect. When I told her, hey, I want to start an the collective so that I can help individuals create businesses and understand the legal, you know, processes of you know starting a business and the financials and the operations and everything and my mom was like that makes total sense that is exactly what you were made to do and I never never knew that that's what my parents wanted from me is to be create a business I thought that you know they finally respected my choice of the corporate environment and expected me to use you know do my potential there but when I told them about my business they're like we support you um, 100% do it. Um, and then now, now that I'm an entrepreneur and doing my own thing, they, they want my help. So they want me to be part of the business, but they only want me to take apart like five hours a week with their business. So I'm now kind of involved in my parents' business, you know, supporting them where they need me. Um, and it feels kind of nice, you know, that, you know, I have a family run business that I work with on the side, you know. Not awesome. leaving my parents astray because my dad's old. He's 50 something. And oh, that's young. You know, that's young. Retire. That's young, though. <laughs> I mean, he wants to retire at 65 and he's like yeah. 53 now. So he's like, I like his time is ending. Like, my dad is always like, Ya me voy a morir. Ya me voy a morir. Ya me duelen las. Like, he's like, Ya me duelen las patas. Me duelen la espalda, you know. And he's like, I'm about to die. And. I'm just traumatized, so maybe that's why I think he's old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that generation loves to work. I think, I mean, but I also think that our generation, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I'm going to call it our generation. I feel like we like to work just as much, too. I think, obviously, the landscape is different, but I think we we definitely have that gene that let's make things happen. And uh, I, I was realizing that the other day. I was having a conversation with someone about... Uh, what cultural aspects do you bring into your professional world? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I work with like a bunch of Latinx creators, but I don't really consider that bringing my culture into my professional life. But then I started thinking, yeah, I, 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 I think I fucking work like I was born 50 years ago. Like I work like I'm of the previous generation. And when you sit back and think about it, it's it's like it's like in you. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's in our blood. I think it's in our blood to work really hard. I don't think I've met any Latinx individual that has it doesn't have a drive in in their passion. Um, whether it's their job, whether it's their you know creations, um, whatever, whatever it might be, I've I've noticed that we are just driven. I like I, I can't tell you 
like I can't see anybody else in the Latin community. Like I, I've never met anyone who isn't driven and works hard. Like I love to work. I'm passionate, but the thing is, I love what I do, right? right, right. And especially if you love what you do, you you work really hard for it. And even in the corporate environment, I didn't necessarily love what I like what I did, but I knew that I had to work really hard to prove myself, to earn my place in this corporate world, right? And all my Latin friends were the same. That's the thing. I never met anyone who just slacked off. A lot of my best friends at work had the same mentality. They're like, well, we had nothing growing up. So here we are trying our best to prove something. Right. Um, and I feel like that's what we're doing. I feel like our generation, we're just continuously proving ourselves through generation and generation because we've always been, I feel like we're just neglected, right? We're underserved. And so here we are continuously proving ourselves generation after generation. You know, I sometimes wonder slash fear that for some people that like that fire to like to just like overcome comes from a place that probably isn't healthy um not to be a downer but you know some yeah because we are oftentimes a community that's underserved that's overlooked that's disenfranchised um and i feel like sometimes i i don't know like i feel like on a mental health in the context of mental health, sometimes people just like pull something out of them that's like probably that should probably require a different kind of attention. I don't know if I'm making any sense here. No, I think well, yes, because I mean, for me, working super hard in my corporate job caused me a lot of panic attacks, mm-hmm. caused me a lot of anxiety and depression. So. Um, prove it like it, there's always a pro and a con to everything, right? Yeah. Um, and so for me, like working really hard caused me, you know, a lot of trauma in the corporate environment. Um, but again, I mean, I, it's just because I was told, like, I didn't know any better, right? I was told you have to work hard to prove yourself. Saw it for my parents. So I did it myself, right? Like anyone you've, like, if you talk to anyone that knows me, they know that I'm the hardest worker they've known in any environment. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, right? Like I I put my all into everything. But again, when you look at it, when you want to think about it, you know, from a trauma perspective, yeah, I mean, it comes from trauma. It comes from our parents working their asses off and you seeing them, if they didn't work their ass off, we didn't have food on the table, right? And so here we are doing the same, but then it's at our own mental health cost, like cost of our mental health, if that makes sense. Talk to me about, uh, some of like the common mistakes you see in early entrepreneurship or like uh, people who had just started their, their business. A lot of people that I've met when they, when I'm talking about that, talking to them about their business, they're like, I know I can do something like whether, whether it's event planning or they want to create, you know, a little brick and mortar. But the thing is they don't know where to start. And so that's where they talk to me and they're like, okay, where do I go? And I was like, okay, well, you have to have an LLC if you really want to do this legit or whether you want to be a sole proprietor. Just know you also have, you know, sales tax, another thing. People don't take into into a, um, into account that they have to pay sales tax, especially if it's in your state. Some states obviously don't have sales tax. Um, but there's like these little things that end up catching them towards the end where once they like file tax returns, like all the financials, what I've noticed is all the financial aspects of their business and legal, they kind of ignore because they don't know and they fear it. 
that makes sense. So that's why a lot of my business is focused on the financial aspect due to the fact that we're scared of our own money. Hmm. Um, so that's what I've really noticed is a lot of entrepreneurs don't look at their money. Rather, they look at what they're putting out and they want to put out more, if that makes sense. So um, when I go over like bookkeeping or whether I go over, you know, just budgeting, they're like, okay, that makes sense. I just never thought about it this way. I'm like, well, you want to make sure you're making a profit. You want a profitable business, right? You just don't want a business just to create something and you're in the negative. You're, you know, in the red, you're not making money. talked about generational wealth earlier um Mm -hmm. do you find that some people still don't fully understand what that means for communities of color or um you know underserved communities do you find that some people think it's still like unattainable yeah a hundred percent um it's you know it's the younger generation you know the gen z's and the millennials that are putting in more of the effort but still we have a generation the older millennials and the generation before them that still you don't understand what generational wealth is and still don't understand the concept of investments and the concept of leaving money behind to your kids right because the way we my parents know it is by you know handing off real estate our family knows land because that's what they grew up with in our third world countries, right? They grew up with land. They would sell their land, buy land, and that's how they made money. Or if it wasn't land, it was cows, right? So it was, or horses, right? So it was actual, you know, things that they would trade off and sell, right? So a lot of our, you know, our parents, you could say, you know, no generational wealth as leaving behind land or a store, um, like a business, right? Or, um, you know, the baby savings that they have, right? But now, you know, when I talk about generational wealth to people, they're like, I get it, but like, what does that necessarily like mean for me as, you know, a daughter of an immigrant, right? Mm. So the something that I talk about is multi-generational wealth. So not only are we providing wealth for ourselves, right, to retire, we're providing wealth for our children, and we're also providing wealth for our parents, because 
they didn't have that education. And it's very hard now to, to involve them in these conversations when they're, they're kind of tied to their old ways, right? It would have to be someone who's very open-minded, someone who's really interested in today and really to adapt to our technologies and our, like, our, like the education that's out there, right? But, you know, a lot of our Latin, our older Latin community isn't going to change their ways, nor do they want or have the time to, right? So it's their kids, it's up to their kids to really provide their retirement, provide their wealth for themselves, like for their parents themselves and then their children. I want I want to have a, a brief Salvi moment with you right now because you are Salvadoran. Mm-hmm. We really do just find a way as a people. I I was sitting here thinking about uh, the stories that my parents would tell me when I was a kid growing up and how they would just sell meat like right outside their home and in, in my in Morasan where my family's from, and they would mm-hmm. just find ways to make money and sell this and go get this crop and sell that and then you like it goes back to the earlier conversation we had it's like these things get ingrained in you and you kind of don't even realize it's happening but next thing you know you're 20 something and you got two businesses uh so i just wanted to have a brief salary moment i'm gonna i'm gonna attribute it to the salvador culture for culture for a minute just for now so but i know that it, it applies to a lot of other cultures as well um no for sure it's like our our parents or even grandparents i i I told a story um in a financial empowerment course that I gave um here in Utah for the melanin squad um which is like a people of color um women owned business kind of group here and I talked about my grandmother who sold tomatoes for a living as a single mother of seven kids <laughs> and that made me when I was writing that story or like telling that story I was thinking. Yeah, I'm like being an entrepreneur is literally in my blood. It is from generations before me. Like our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents, they were making their own money by selling clothing, tomatoes, you know, fruits, vegetables, whatever it might be, meat, like you said, with your family. And it's like that is in- ingrained in us. We're just natural entrepreneurs. Great thing we're salvi too, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but it's really crazy to think about we're natural made entrepreneurs. Like no one can tell us anything because not only did we come from a third world country and made, make our own businesses there, but we migrated to a whole new foreign one to create businesses here as well. I just I, I have to say, Leah, I love your energy. I, I'm just I'm loving everything you're saying right now. I hope that the <laughs> listeners are really getting a ton of value here. Um I, I do appreciate it. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, you're just making me think about a lot of things um, about how, you know, people see obstacles, uh, the perspectives and, and, and things. Because I remember uh, during the recession, I remember telling my, my dad, who uh, was a business owner, um, he's retired now, but he, he had a business. And I was like, man, this, uh, this, <laughs> this, um, recession is really hard like this is like the worst since like the 20s and he just he looked at me and he laughed and I was like what like what's so funny about that and then I was just you know it just kind of got me thinking like yeah let's just things are gonna happen and how am I telling this this man who had to leave his home country during a civil war that a recession is Mm -hmm. holding me back you know it's just perspective it's it's insane no yeah when the recession happened I mean my dad, you know, I remember, and this is very intimate and very personal thing to share, but like when we lost our home, 
in around 2008 through 2010, we actually foreclosed on the home. Like they took it from us around like 2012. Um, and we didn't pay like rent um, for a really long time or like the mortgage. Um, but I remember how my dad felt when he couldn't pay for the um, electricity or for the gas um, and we wouldn't have water <laughs> in the shower or we wouldn't have water to drink or we wouldn't have, you know, hot water to shower in. And my dad's ego, like my dad would feel like crap, mm -hmm. but he'd be like, you know, I've gone through worse. You guys can get through this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like he would explain to me how, you know, he grew up, his toilets were on the ground, right? He would shower with cold water every morning and just get out of bed and just, you know, his, you know, the ground was, you know, dirt and it was just normal to him. And he's like, this is a little sacrifice that you have to make in order to adjust, you know, until we can make money and feed ourselves and continue to pay our bills. Right. Um, for the time being versus like what I grew up with. Right. So my dad, and in these times when we were at our lowest, I remember him telling us constantly his experiences so that we could feel a little bit better about our situation. Um, but I remember this recession clearly and it was hard for him to watch us go through it, but he's like, I had it worse, you know? So like, how do you like, since, okay, this is mental health uh, awareness month. So I'm going to ask like, how do you find balance in everything that you do? How do you like, what's your escape from the business side of things? Um, my escape to the business side of things. Well, um, I think I balance it pretty well. I, it's been hard. Don't get me wrong because go working from like the nine to five, which was way more than that. But you know, in the corporate world where I had all these long hours and I hardly could dedicate time for myself and now having all the time in the world, meaning I own my schedule. I own my time. I own what I do, what I can do, what I don't want to do. Right. Everything's in my control. So how do I balance that out? And it's been a little tricky. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy going from like a normal like schedule to now making your own. It's not an easy like transfer. It's not like, oh my God, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Like go party and go to the beach or go whatever, you know, you know, it's not like that. It's more like, okay, what, how do I create a new schedule that balances my mental health? Right. right. And you know, my business. So there's days that I'm not going to lie. I like to work in the middle of the night. And I used to do that in college. Hmm. Like I would do my homework from like 12 a.m. to like 3 a.m. Just because that was the peak time my brain was working. Um, <laughs> and I still do that today. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like there's many nights during the week that I'm on, you know, working for creating content or creating documents um, for my business or working on client stuff in the middle of the night. Um, but I'm awake and it feels comfortable for me. Yeah. But again, if I wake up, I wake up the next day, maybe a little bit later. And I make sure that my meetings align with, you know, kind of the way I'm feeling too. So like I have a block schedule for my business. So I like make sure I have from 8am to 10am. It's my mor morning routine, whether I wake up at 930 or 10am, I still have um, that time allocated for myself. And then after 10am, I like, okay, I say from 10am to 1230, I'm going to grind, whether it's with client meetings, or creating stuff for my business, I'm allocating that time fully onto clients or, you know, meetings, right? That's um, so important. And yeah, so I just focus on time blocking. But then if I ever do feel tired, I'll message some friends and be like, hey, like, can we just go out to lunch? Or can I, 
you know, if I don't want to see my friends and I just want to, you know, go on a walk, I'll take my dogs on a walk. But it's accepting that you have time to do that because you might feel guilty and be like, well, no, it's like three o'clock or it's 11 a.m. I should be working. I should be doing these things because of that nine to five structure we've had our whole lives, right? So now it's kind of like, okay, no, it's okay. An hour isn't going to completely make you lose money. It's not going to break your business. It's more for your mental health. So having those open conversations too with your clients, because I have them with my clients all the time. I'm like, hey, it's okay if you feel like if you're not talking to me for two weeks, because I have had that happen to me, I'm like, tell me that something's going on. I'd rather you tell me and be open. Hey, I'm not feeling great. I just need a break. You know, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm accepting of that. And even if they don't tell me towards it, like when they reach out again, um, they're like, hey, you know, this has happened. It's, you know, okay, that's okay. I accept that. You know, we all go through things and we all take it on differently. So when I was looking at your website, I, uh, it's a beautiful website, by the way. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I noticed you have some merchandise. And when I saw the merchandise, that's when I realized, oh, she's an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Like she's, <laughs> this isn't like, this isn't a joke. She's, 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 She's made for this. Um, tell me about the the merchandise, and uh, you have you also have a journal that you that you put out, right? A manifestation journal. Yeah, yeah. So you're exposing me for all the things that I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I got in my head. I was like, hey, well, you know the term trucha. It's something. It's salvatrucha. Salvadoreños really know that word. Um, for it's almost like you know bufa. Yeah. You know the other word for it being Lista, someone who's like attentive and everything. And I was like, that's a word that I live by. Because my dad always told me that, Pitrucha. You know, anywhere I went, Pitrucha. If I traveled, Pitrucha. If I was starting a new job, Pitrucha. You know, never get taken advantage of is really how I take it. So I created like a little post about it. And then I was like, I would honestly wear that. I was like, I would wear that on my, like on a shirt all day long. And so I was looking at like, okay, how can I make it just for myself? And if anyone else wants to buy it, great. It's not, you know, totally like, it's not my, like, it's just passive income. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I found this site called Printful. It's a drop shipping kind of site. Mm. So you, they literally manufacture everything. They create everything for you and you just give them the designs and they ship and do everything. And so that's what I did. I did a little research a couple hours later I had a store on my website with merch (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, I was super excited because, you know, I have the collective and I was thinking, you know, any new clients will get the collective t-shirt because they're part of the collective now. And honestly, everyone's part of the collective because, you know, the collective is everyone literally. So, um, it was just like, you know, I'll do this for my clients too. Like it'll just give me an easy way to send merch to them too. Um, and then obviously the trucha shirts, I made trucha shirts, hoodies, and a baseball cap. And that, um, I'm working with um, Salvadoran charities to give 25% of the proceeds of anything that I make off those products to an actual charity that's helping the community out in El Salvador. Um, so I have my brother, my older brother's currently there, and he's um, digging deep into the charity world to find me a, like an actual reputable charity to work with. That's amazing. I had, I had no idea. That's incredible. And uh, just for the people listening, where can they go buy these items? Landaverdecollective.com slash merch. Okay, cool. I'll add that in the notes. Um, tell me, okay, tell me about the journal because I thought that was interesting. <laughs> um, so I've, I'm a strong believer in manifestations. 
Um, I have done it since I was a kid. Literally, I would just, in my diaries, um, as a girl, you know, you, you write notes and you have a diary. <laughs> um, I would always write what, where I saw myself in five years or 10 years or um, six months or two months. So it was something that I just kind of loved doing. I loved, like, looking into the future. And that's why I love finance is because it's, mm. you know, future-looking, forward-looking. And so I had wrote down in this journal a long, long time ago when I was, like, 15, 14. I was like, I'm going to have a master's in finance. I'm going to have a bachelor's in finance. I'm going to have my own car. I'm going to have my own house. I'm going to have X, like all these little things, right? It had like, I had USC on there. I had all these colleges that I wanted to go to. I had like, you know, this kind of roadmap of where I wanted to go. And did everything come to life? Mostly yes. You know, there's obviously things that, um, didn't exactly like I didn't go to USC nor did I even apply so <laughs> like that was a dream but it didn't happen but you know from a you know actual manifesting I manifested my degrees I have a master's in finance a bachelor's in finance I you know worked at a corporate job for four years in finance and so um I had I bought a house at 21 um and all these things that I didn't expect to happen, but it aligned. And then when I looked back at those journals, I was like, holy crap. Like I manifested this as a kid. Like I didn't even see it coming, but it came. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Wow. So I don't know if you write down like your manifestations, but um, it, I highly recommend it. I, That's why I did it. I, you know, I, I write down a lot of things, but when it comes to those, those parts of my life, I, I just I they just run through my head all day. Like there are times where they're just circling just like all around my mind and my brain and then I put them away and then I pull them out maybe a week later and they're running around again. It's it's an odd thing. Um but listen, I that's it for the conversation. I I have to thank you again for coming on to the podcast. It is an honor to talk to you, uh, Leah Landaverde. You are so awesome. I just know you're going to do amazing things. Like this is fantastic, um, and thank you so much for dropping all the knowledge and your story and your inspiration on the podcast. I truly, truly appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. It was great to connect with you on Clubhouse, and now you know, look where we are now through connection. You know what we've made and. I hope to continue to make more things with you um, and have you one day on my future podcast. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Um, <laughs> and so I can dive deeper into your life. Um, Let's do it. But, you know, thank you for everything and the opportunity. I love supporting my community. I love supporting, you know, not only are you from the people of color community, but you're also Salvadoreño, and I respect that. And thank you. Thank you for this big opportunity. Where uh, where can people follow you or 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 contact you? Uh, we'll add all this in the notes, but just for the people listening. Yeah, so I'm mostly focused on Instagram right now. So it's Lendaverde Collective, and then obviously my website LendavertiCollective.com. I'll be releasing a bookkeeping workshop tomorrow, so it will be for May 15th if anybody wants to join. So I'll put that plug there, and the link will be in my Instagram bio as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, just awesome, awesome. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. 
and uh, I'll see you on you I'll see you on Clubhouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Have a good day. Right, see bye-bye. ya. Okay, bye.